The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So I was listening to our episode last week, and I noticed that when we were talking about Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale in uh, The Prestige, I mentioned I, I used a triple negative, I think. So I need to I need you and I to just go through what the hell I said. <laughs> so yeah. when the when the two gentlemen were taking off their shirts, obviously they're very jacked, and I said I can't not unsee this. I can't not unsee how jacked they are. That's what I said. So like you you can unsee. I can unsee, which means that I have to correct myself by saying I can't unsee. I shouldn't have said can't not. It should have been can't unsee it. Grammar police, Neil Gilbert. Correcting here. myself in past Neil's an idiot. So <laughs> I had to, as soon as I heard that, I was like, what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> Triple negatives trip me up and I can't believe I used one. But yeah, glad we could correct okay. that real quick. <laughs> Moving on to some news in the uh, video game world this week. Uh, Minecraft is going to be in Smash. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty crazy. And uh, I just want to call out, Neil predicted Minecraft was going to be in Smash uh, probably over a year ago. He had Steve from Minecraft down on his list for predictions. And uh, good job, Neil. Thank you so much. This was actually 2018, Neil, where we went to... Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? 2000... Yeah, 2018 was the first year we went to the cottage. This one we That's when we made our Smash uh, predictions. And I predicted Steve from Minecraft. Now, there's also a second character, Alex. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's uh, so like a skin kind of. Uh, wait, is it actually? I don't actually know that it's 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 just an echo, right? It's not like an actual second character. No, or is it like a skin or like what's going on? I think it's because like a. I... I think it's like an echo character. I don't think. Okay. I think you just pick between the two. I doubt that they have different move sets. Probably should have watched the Smash Direct a little bit more. But once I saw uh, Minecraft was in it, I kind of tuned out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you did say that you you got that uh, you know you got. Uh, Steve from Minecraft, right? Uh, but let's go over some of uh, uh, Neil's other uh, picks that he didn't get right. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Funky Kong. Wow. Well, uh, we have Paper Mario. That's a good one. We have Crash. Uh, Crash Bandicoot. Bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. We have Monster Hunter Rep, which I think was a really good pick. Yeah, uh, I ended up kind of getting that. that. I think I think there's an assist trophy, right? I, I almost there is an assist yeah. trophy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you you did get a point five with Springman slash Ribbon Girl for arms. Yeah, it ended up being what Twintel. Or something? Uh, Min Min Min. Min Min. Okay. Yeah. I'm a really yeah. bad Nintendo fan, if you can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you also guessed Papyrus from Undertale, which it was close because Sans is uh, he has his own um, costume, me costume. So yeah, I came close with a few of those guesses. How, how about your guesses, Mike? What did you predict back in the year 2018? Well, I did not pre- predict Earthworm Jim, although you know I'm I'm feeling like I should have because I feel that's coming anytime soon. Okay, yeah, I'm sure Earthworm Jim <laughs> is making a comeback. Just like <laughs> there's no way. Did you actually guess Earthworm Jim? I'm trying to remember. No, no. no. Oh, okay. No. I would love an Earthworm Jim reboot, though. I got Dixie. I, I guess Dixie Kong. Okay. Isabel, which I got right. You got that, yeah. Skull Kid from Zelda mm-hmm. from Majora's Mask. Okay. Paper Mario as well. Yeah. Travis Touchdown, which I feel like is going to come at some point. Like, there's no way he doesn't go and smash at some point in the future. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know if that's from No More Heroes. I don't know if No More yeah. Heroes is coming back at all. Like, I feel like it's just what? like that. It's the third one is coming out. It's in, coming like, out. December. Yeah, but is do people care? Like, is it? Yeah, it's oh, huge. Wow. Oh, okay. You you are not in this community. No, I'm not. I'm clearly. <laughs> I, I always think like like it's almost like like 
they just keep talking and i'm just like shut up like no that game is like that game is has a huge cult following i'd say of all like the nintendo franchises mm-hmm. like ones on that level i guess like earthbound kind of level of cult yeah following. it's it's up there for okay. sure well, it's i look forward to uh, that yeah. coming out akuma from tekken uh, and my personal favorite, uh, Agumon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from, from Digimon? My, Digimon. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that yeah. would be awesome if they put a Digimon in there. Because I, I guessed, I think, a Pokemon from the uh, Shield. Mm, you the, said 8th Gen rep. Yeah, yeah, so Shield and Sword Pokemon being in Smash. I still think that that could happen, but I don't know any. I literally don't know a single new Pokemon from the Shield and Sword generation. So maybe not, but... I'm thinking Agumon with the skin of Angela Anaconda. Oh, that'd be perfect. But And then right after the match is over, it goes into the Digimon movie. <laughs> Just the full movie. <laughs> Every time you play as Angela Anaconda, the Digimon movie plays after your round is over. That'd be, a, that'd be a cool little bit of DLC. I would love that. I, was having, I have one more thought before we get into the episode. and actually, I, I have one more thought after your one more thought. And I actually have two thoughts, so we have three more thoughts before we start this content episode. Mike, do you think – I was making my bed the other day, and I had this thought. Do you, do you think that ugly animals hate cute animals? Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, like okay, let's, yeah, let's say, for example, yeah. like the goblin shark or the king cobra, just these absolute travesties of God's creations. Do you think that they hate, like – puppies and kittens that we just dress up put in our bed we feed them nice things like some animals we straight up eat i'm gonna throw that back at you okay do cute animals hate themselves for being cute no there's no chance that they hate themselves. Have you seen the look on their little faces? There's no chance that they that they hate themselves. I would say I would say ugly animals definitely do hate cute animals. I feel like animals are capable some of them are definitely capable of some jealousy yeah and uh, and also just and like, and hate, right? You know, because it's not even jealousy at that point. Like, you don't want anyone to have that love. No. Let's say you're a turkey this time of year, which right now, mm. Mike and I, we record this podcast from Toronto, Ontario. We're Canadians. We're celebrating Thanksgiving this weekend. You've got literally tens of thousands of turkeys just getting ready to be killed right now. Meanwhile, I lose my mind when I see a corgi on the street. So, <laughs> like, there's got to be some level of, like, animosity from turkeys to corgis right now. And yeah, because turkeys are not good-looking birds. No, they've got scrotums on their chins. Like, they <laughs> and they taste yes. great which doesn't help their cause mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. that was kind of my thought I, I just i was just making my bed and i was thinking about cobras and how just absolutely disgusting they are and and if they hate you know the cute puppy dogs or you have you have a cat like maybe they would hate that cat for sleeping in a nice air conditioned or furnace you know heated room they've got a bed and some nice cookies and owners <laughs> well i mean cobras would try and eat them because they are cobras so I mean, yes, the cobras would hate them. Cobras are a messed up animal. I'm I'm personally a rattlesnake guy. Oh, okay. I'm a big rattlesnake guy. I like I like rattlesnakes. I think they're really cool. They can kill you very easily, but uh, I think they're underrated, which is why I like them. You know, cobra is like king cobra. Yeah, yeah, we know. Uh, cobra's got the venom, you know, got the fangs. They're always wearing hoodies. Yeah, they're always wearing hoodies. You know, they're always doing fangs up, you know, with cobra always, starship. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> oh, yes, can't forget that. And they always have a dude with a flute nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but rattlesnakes are like the, you know, they're they're like the underdogs. It's like, oh, look at this rattlesnake. He's like, you know, hanging around. He's got a little rattle on him. Oh, dead. Yep. I'm going to go and see if I can pet him. Nope. But if you pet that corgi, there's no chance of death. Zero percent chance. Zero percent chance. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. rattlesnakes, they, they, they hang out in the grass. Uh, and like the long they were grass like in deserts of, and stuff. Yeah, well, oh, they're well in desert. There's you know those like that long grass that you'll have in desert. It's just like it's also brown and basically it's also dead. dead. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's where they like to hang out. And um, the idea is that like if you like step near them, they'll they'll get you. Oh yeah, they'll get uh, you. Yeah. They they go for their prey that way. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think we should just wipe all snakes off the face of the earth. I don't see any issue with that. I know you're not a big snake fan. I, I don't mind snakes. I can, I can, I, I have an affinity for snakes. I, I'm okay with snakes when they're far away from me. That's about mm. it. And when they're really yeah. small, like when they're little. I don't think anyone likes snakes close to them that are no. deadly. I mean, let's just put that out there. I've seen some messed up people online that have like just just have snakes and they're just chilling with them like on their front lawn. Uh, like like no, I'm not talking about like little snakes you can hold. I mean like like a big boa. Yeah, like that type. Yeah, of thing. well, I mean like, but like snakes are pretty smart. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Like they 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 know who like you know that they know what's up. So if like they know someone's gonna feed them, they're not gonna go do anything to you. Yeah, I, I guess so. Like a corgi. like Just like a corgi. <laughs> Maybe corgis evolved from snakes. Who knows? So what was your point there, Mike? You said you had one topic you wanted to go over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple episodes ago uh, you let the world know that you did indeed watch Mean Girls. Of course. And you watched Icon Tim Meadows. And, uh, I, He's the star of the movie. And I also watched Mean Girls. Why, why is that? Well, cause why did it, you watch it? It was recently October 3rd. Oh, October 3rd is, of course, Mean Girls Day. That's mm-hmm. right. We did share that on our uh, Instagram story. It's October 3rd. And two weeks later, we spoke again. <laughs> it's raining. And uh, it was actually really funny to see because I watched it soon after I watched this Mean Girls cast reunion that they put out on October 3rd as well. Mm. It was trying to get people to like to do vote registration. They would, if 50,000 people registered to vote based on like the, the link they sent out, they would release this um, cast reunion. And it was really cool. It was Tina Fey talking kind of to everyone. It was, uh, it was neat to see everyone kind of 15 years later almost, or I guess more than that, actually. More than that. Yeah, yeah. I think that movie is like 2000. 2004. 2004. So six, yeah, wow. Yeah, 16, 16 years. years ago. Yeah, mm. so uh, it was just uh, neat to, uh, to see that. And then obviously that put me in the mood for uh for watching some some mean girls so uh i did that on mm-hmm. october 3rd i watched it so recently that there was no point in rewatching it i, I remember the jokes well and, and what i love about mean girls is that every time i rewatch it i always find a new favorite quote that's the sign of a good movie this viewing it was uh tim meadows uh with the baseball bat saying oh man i did not leave the south side for this <laughs> <laughs> and just and just hits the fire uh just breaks the fire alarm <laughs> also i forgot how that tim meadows has a cast on his right hand yeah what was that so he at the beginning of the movie he says my carpal tunnel came back and then Mm -hmm. tina Fey's like i got divorced i win he actually had a broken hand and he said he wasn't going to do the movie but tina was like no i wrote it specifically for you because they were both on snl together at the time Oh. and so he's like okay do you want to just write this in like i have a broken hand or something she's like i'll figure it out i love that that almost reminds me of like star wars with mark hamill how he got in a car accident yeah. and that's why he had a scar on his eye and they wa- and they wrote it in with the wampa attack yeah that's right also uh other other favorite uh a quote is when damien's driving janice and like janice is in like the sunroof he's like curfew curfew it's now yeah. 110 <laughs> <laughs> i want my picture back <laughs> oh man it's endless endless good endless quotes good in that quotes. movie yeah, but ladies and gentlemen, this is the GameCube is Cool podcast. Welcome to episode 21. We go live every Thursday morning on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We are asking that everyone or someone please write a Wikipedia article about us. We're trying to become legit, and part of that means getting on Wikipedia, apparently. <laughs> I also I also have a public announcement I'd like to make. We I would wish that if you do follow us on Instagram, that you go and like our recent image of 
of The Rock where we made a did you know post about The Rock and it's like not very well liked and we're trying to make that our most liked post. So let's see if we can do that. Yeah, the, and and I've had multiple people message me, probably didn't like it, probably not. Say, saying that they, they, they thought that was so funny and some of them were actually tricked by it for a second there. So. so if you haven't checked it out yet, go to our Instagram page, find that image. It's not too far back and like it. We're trying to make that our most liked post. Yeah, it, it just it's just showing facts, you know, like we're, we're trying to promote yeah. facts and try, we're trying to take down fake news. And there's a lot of trying to be funny. And there's a lot of fake news around there that that says that Dwayne Johnson and The Rock are the same person. And so I I just I think exhausting. We felt that we it was our place to say the facts there. Yeah, we have to finally put that to bed. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Last week, we did cover the Crash Bandicoot games, mostly on PS1. But eventually we got to the ones on GameCube. Uh, This week, we're going to be covering the two Time Splitters games and Geist on GameCube. Mm -hmm. But first, Mike, I want to hear if do we have any positive reviews that we'd like to read? We do have a couple of positive reviews that I would love to read. And these come from the good old US of A. Don't forget to go out and vote, kids. Uh, We got... uh, Oh, here we go. Um, Oh, no, this is the UK. (laughs) One second, folks. Don't mix mix that up. (laughs) You know what? It's because the U is right beside the other. You know, it's it's hard. Pick a different letter. Come on. (laughs) Well, because I I was actually trying to... You can't all be united. I was trying to find the the UK one at first because it's like under a weird thing. It's like .co.uk. Ew. So I I got all turned around. Okay. But uh, but anyways, um, did Trump review our show yet? I hope so. Joe Biden review our show yet? I think Joe Biden's been listening. Okay, I think so too. Uh, so our first one here comes from Zuzak. Okay. All the way from the U.S. of A. Giving us five stars and saying Whoa. so satisfying. This podcast is very informative on the GameCube and its classic games. I enjoy listening to every episode and learning stuff I didn't know while having a good laugh. Keep up the good work. Wow, thanks, Zuzak. That's yeah, awesome. That's I, that. just a really, really nice to hear. I won't, I won't accept anything less than four-star reviews. Unless they're one-star. <laughs> We're only going to read five and one one-star well, reviews. Well, someone, someone gave a one-star and didn't Again? rate a review. No, it's the same person. Oh, same person. Do they keep doing it? No, no, no. It's just like... Oh, I, you're talking about the first guy. Okay. I just can yeah. still see the one-star, you know? Mm, yeah, it's going to burn in us. Okay. <laughs> and then we have another five-star review from Ty Sweet coming at us again from the US of A saying, great podcast so far. And they wrote this one in May, back, way back in May. So uh, this is one that we forgot about. Sorry, Ty. <laughs> Ty says, I've been waiting for a podcast like this. I hope you guys keep it going. And we have. P.S. If you're looking for a great game, Custom Robo. That's, that's it. We are going to get to we're going to get to Custom Robo. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess Ty might have figured it out by now. But our goal of this podcast is to cover all 555 GameCube games in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what he says. Great show so far. As if we're going to get worse. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can only go up from here. We can. So let's get into the episode at hand. We're going to start with Time Splitters 2 on the Nintendo GameCube. But first, obviously, Time Splitters 2 is not the first game in the series. There was a Time Splitters 1. Mm-hmm. It was a launch title on PS2, developed by Free Radical Design. We'll talk about them in a minute. And published by Eidos Interactive. That game reviewed in the nines. We're not going to talk about that game at all because it wasn't on GameCube. A game that was on GameCube was Time Splitters 2, released on October 16th, 2002. Developed by Free Radical Design and published again by Eidos Interactive. It's also on Xbox and PS2. If you're looking to pick it up nowadays, it's priced at 45 bucks and it rates in the nines. There was also Time Splitters, technically three, but it was called Time Splitters Future Perfect, which was released on May 21st, 2005. Again, developed by Free Radical Design, published by EA Games this time, platform Xbox and PS2. This game prices quite a bit more. I found it like for around $100, like ranging from 100 to 130 also rating in the nines. So Mike, let's talk about these two games here. Um, yeah. yeah, I have a lot to say about Time Splitters 2 specifically. Interesting that you found that 
they rated similar similarly because usually Time Splitters Three is uh, is more not panned but usually less talked about. Time Splitters Two I know is usually uh, gets around nine or tens and is considered as one of the best first-person shooter games of all time. Yeah, whenever you hear people talking about this generation of shooters, you typically hear Halo, first of all, from Xbox players, but then Time Splitters 2 is almost always the second game people talk about in terms of first-person shooters. I think at the time it was talked about a lot more, but now it's kind of a forgotten franchise, uh, mostly because the first-person shooter genre uh, then and now is so saturated, mm-hmm. and Free Radical Games not being, or Free Radical Design not being a big game company, they were really, you know, kind of strapped for cash, and were unable to kind of market this game in the way it could have been done Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that really hurt them and also they made some tough decisions in terms of the kind of their future of gaming and honestly i think this is probably a good time to just talk about free radical uh design free radical design the company that developed time splitters all three time splitters games they're a british studio from nottingham they were founded in 1999 and they were made up of ex-Rare employees who worked on first-person Rare games, like most people know them for 007 Goldeneye and Perfect Dark on the N64. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went on after they left Rare. They shortly after, obviously, created their Free Radical Design Studio. And they made uh, Time Splitters 1, 2, Future Perfect. Then they made Second Sight, which we'll cover on this podcast eventually. They also were the team that were going to be the developers of Star Wars Battlefront 3. Yeah. But yeah, that game was canceled and it was not, according to interviews with uh, Free Radical Design employees, the game was 99% complete. I'm sure a lot of you listening have seen the footage of of Battlefront 3. I remember that was a very mythical thing when that was getting made. Yeah. As, of course, the first game to ever be able to go from ground to sky all in one render, which was, uh, you know, thought to be impossible at the time. And that was, what, 2009, maybe? So it's. yeah, it's it's obviously really upsetting that that game never got made, and the fact that ninety nine percent done that people say like that, uh, Free Radical says that really really hurts me. Yeah, I know to know that it was that complete, and then we did eventually get a Star Wars Battlefront reboot back in two thousand and fifteen, and that game with was... no fanfare. Uh, I don't think anyone talked about anything bad about it. No, the game was perfect. It mm-hmm. went it went on without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, but and they also and then, and then uh, Free Radical Design also made Haze, but we don't talk about that game on the PS three. Well, so I wanted to talk about Haze, actually. Oh, okay, Jesus. So the, the reason why Free Radical Design doesn't exist anymore is Haze. Partially, yeah, that's part of it. That's like a, yeah, definitely part of it. So Haze was this first-person shooter that was kind of marketed as a Halo killer. Mm-hmm, from Sony. From Sony. It was very much supposed to be the competitor to Halo, and uh, they put a lot of money into it, a lot of manpower, and it, it ended up being a terrible game, so bad that Xbox and PC releases both got cancelled. Although they didn't say it was because it got bad ratings, they just said because of it was oh no now it, it is gonna be a Sony exclusive forever kind of thing. That's that mm-hmm. was their their excuse. But yeah, they, they spent so much money. They even made these graphic systems specifically that were gonna be used for the game and nothing else, which is a big mistake there for a small company like Free Radical. Yeah. And um, you could tell that there was way too much involvement from the publisher, which was Ubisoft, to try and make it into an FPS instead of a third person. Uh, and that was to compete directly with Call of Duty and Halo. 
Okay. And also a fun fact, Corn, uh, the band Corn, recorded an original song for Hayes. So that should tell you all you need to know. And if it's not Freak on a Leash, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just clearly way too ambitious, uh, horrible plot. It usually goes like rates in the fours to fives, and it's it's considered one of the biggest busts of all time for the gaming industry. That sucks for Free Radical Design because we're going to in their history little history lesson here we're going to get to another game that they technically make and it's another poorly reviewed game so yeah after haze like like you said mike that was not a good move on their part obviously it led to their downfall so in february 2009 free radical design was acquired by crytech people would know them for games like far cry and crisis uh and then uh, free radical design was then renamed Crytek UK. By January 2014, there were reports of employees reporting missed payments, canceled bonuses, and several were filing for grievances and refusal to work. So that's not a good work environment. <laughs> no, and you can tell like Hayes trying to uh, coming out 2008. I think that you know, mm -hmm. and them filing for bankruptcy 2009 and then getting absorbed by um, Crytek. Uh, yep. You can tell like that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back and they just kind of limped on until uh, 2014, I believe, which is when they closed for good. Yeah, they basically announced in on July 25th, 2014, Crytek made an announcement to combat these refusal to work uh, grievances that they were under a transitional phase while securing assets for more online gaming. Five days later, Crytek sold the IP. They sold the IP Homefront to, uh, I guess it's, is it Koch Media? K-O-C-K. <laughs> interesting. It, very interesting. Parent <laughs> company of game publisher Deep Silver, uh, and they laid off most of the staff. Yeah. So within five days of saying that they're under a transitional phase, they laid off most of that the staff. That sucks. That sucks to be a staff there too, especially when you like come off like some great games like Time Splitters uh, and, and having the chance to work on Star Wars Battlefront, and then mm -hmm. you kind of go out that way. That's really sad. I know, and I know that like a lot of the times in game development, you know, we always hear that, you know, crunch is a part of being a game developer. It, it, this is unacceptable in terms of being tr like just treatment of an employee. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I know that a lot of the times being a game dev is slave laborious, but it is, it is supposed to be rewarding. And when it's not, it sucks. Mm hmm. But there was kind of a, not a happy ending, but an ending for the developers from, <laughs> at one point, Rare rare Studios, which I absolutely love. In 2014, those employees founded a new developing studio called Dam Buster, uh, and that's the developer who eventually made Homefront the Revolution, which was published by Deep Silver, the company that mm -hmm. acquired the IP. Uh, you must be wondering, wow, you know, after all that, Homefront Revolution must be a great game. It was not. It came out in 2016 on PS4 and Xbox One, and it received fours to sixes. I've never even heard of it, which is... I, I see it at every video game store. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it, I always think it's a, like a Tom Clancy game. Okay. Yeah, but unfortunately, the studio that made Time Splitters is uh, no more, which... Makes me wonder what's going to happen with that franchise, but we'll talk about that at the end. First, let's get on to talking about Time Splitters 2. Uh, this game looks a lot like Goldeneye. Oh, it, I mean, it definitely is a spiritual successor Jeez, to Goldeneye. Dude. Uh, you know, Time Splitters 1, that coming out in 2000, uh, it was it was clearly done by a small team, actually 18 people to be exact. Wow. 18 people, including marketing, including like the whole corporation, made, made Time Splitters 1. And and it feels like it for sure, right? It's it's a good game, but it's um it's got some limitations. And it was for the previous generation as well. So Time Splitters two coming out for the next generation uh, at this point. And yeah, it does feel like Goldeneye remastered, <laughs> yeah. in a way. And, and but Goldeneye meets Perfect Dark remastered. 
Goldeneye is exa- that's exactly what I was going to say. It's a, it's taking James Bond and adding a bit of a sci-fi element with time travel and time crystals and stuff like that. But just yeah. looking at the the atmosphere of the game, like the environments, the guns themselves look like up versions of N64 Goldeneye uh, guns on screen. The bullet holes are, I think, the exact same image of what the bullet <laughs> holes look like in Goldeneye. Even your, um, your health bar, it yeah. looks like the Goldeneye watch with the red on the left and the blue to uh, symbolize your shield level, I guess. Uh, on the right and even the sound like the level music sounds like it, it looks like it looks and sounds like a james bond game yeah it does mm-hmm. uh, and it's um and, and it does like benefit from that too because it you know that that kind of gives you a bit of nostalgia when you play it no for sure and i can see why people stuck to this game in, in uh, this game the gamecube generation and calling it the best shooter it's definitely just just a golden eye game which is what people wanted and then when perfect dark came out people wanted golden eye too we got Perfect Dark. It ended up being a, a critically acclaimed game, but with the sci-fi elements to the story and everything like that, I think people wanted a James Bond game made by Rare again, and we never got one. So no. this is kind of like it. So yeah, the plot of the game, uh, we should probably talk about that up front, uh, features a story mode consisting of 10 levels in which the player assumes the role of two space marines from the year 2401 as they attempt to stop an alien race known as Time Splitters from ruining history. They have to collect time crystals from various time periods, ranging from the Wild West to the 25th century. And then there's obviously several multiplayer modes, kind of like what you'd find in a James Bond game, Capture the Flag, King of the Hill, stuff like that, that that you and I love to play on Nightfire. And Mm -hmm. the main character of this game, of course, can't be ignored, is Vin Diesel from Riddick. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I, every time I see this, I'm like, Pitch Black? Like, is this (laughs) Pitch Black, the the game? Yeah, it's, um, we're going to talk about that in terms of their character design and uh, and what could have been improved here. Mm -hmm. But I will say the graphics... They look great. Yep. Like they look really good for a 2002 game. I was I was incredibly impressed uh, by by how good this game still looks. Yeah, me too. It holds up very well, which a lot of first person shooters from this generation do hold up graphically. I know that the controls can kind of be tough to go back to, like the aiming reticle snaps back to the center with a lot of these games we're going to talk about. Which is kind of a bit of a pain in the butt. It doesn't games don't do that anymore. Like no. when you aim, it, it doesn't snap you back to the center every time. It's funny too because. You know, we talk about Time Slayers 2 being arguably the best shooter for the GameCube. And a lot of people would argue that this is this is the best way to play it is on the GameCube mm-hmm. uh, because of the controllers. The controllers were specifically meant for shooters and uh, with the with those beautiful uh, triggers right. uh, that we have there that, uh, you know, really feel nice. And we talked about it on the Sunshine episode. Those triggers were used for the water gun. Mm-hmm. Playing Time Splitters on GameCube really is, in my opinion, better just because of the controller. Yeah, it's 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 linked to GameCube, and it's one of the few first-person shooters that is linked to GameCube. Like otherwise, other than Metroid Prime, and we're going to talk about Geist. It's also Time Splitters. That's that's the game people just associate, even though it was on Xbox and PlayStation Two. Yeah, most people played it on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Any anyone that I know who's played it has definitely played it on GameCube. But I mean, maybe that's just the people I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe we know a lot of GameCube fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the territory but time splitters like you you already touched on this a little bit neil but time splitters again did a great job of the multiplayer aspect that i don't think any first person shooters were doing at the time uh, you know, I think this was definitely like um, an open box in terms of being able to play with your friends, doing couch co-op, and uh, you could play online on the PS2. Obviously, yeah. uh, GameCube uh, does not have online capabilities, so you couldn't do it there. No, uh, ga- online gaming wasn't going to take on, Mike. That's what. That's, that's right. What, uh, that's what Miyamoto said, or maybe not. Maybe it was 
I don't know. Reggie. I'm going to blame Reggie. It was Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, um, the arcade aspects uh, and the multiplayer aspects that you can do in uh, Time Slivers 2 are, are really impressive. And, and it is very much like Nightfire. And like we, you know, it is a, an easy comparison for sure. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that Nightfire has, you know, EA as a publisher behind them at this point, you know, putting in and also has all these like very well-known characters and and it's going to come with like people are going to buy this game no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. So, the fact that Time Splitters 2 is so jam-packed with content and so much stuff that you can do in it, not and not even just the multiplayer aspect but but the customization aspect, you know, the level editors, right? Uh, and things like that. It's really impressive to see that a small studio like this is able to pull off a game that rivals a Nightfire made by a huge studio. Yeah, and eventually EA did publish the third Time Splitters yeah. game, so eventually they they swallowed that game too. But the game, yeah, does come with 12 uh, available. Sorry, six. there's 16 game modes in total, but 12 of those are unavailable. You have to beat the game in certain modes. But still, to have 16 game modes by the time you've yeah. 100% of the game, that's insane. Oh, yeah. You know, most of these games at this time are, are criticized now, looking back, for not having enough content, being mm-hmm. short. You know, we, we often, Neil and I will often say that a criticism of this game is that it's too short, you know, thinking like Pikmin or Luigi's Mansion or stuff like that. This uh, this game, you know, you cannot say that for Time Splitters for sure. No, I mean, like the campaign might be short, but there's there's replayability in the game, which is yeah. what we went, we went back to. Like you and I, I probably played the campaign of Nightfire, I don't know, maybe four or five times in my life, which is not that long. It's like a six hour campaign. So 25 to 30 hours, which is about the length of a standard game nowadays to yeah. play it once. But I've played the multiplayer of Nightfire probably for hundreds of hours at this Thousand point. Thousand, maybe. Maybe, but like, with, I don't want to. I don't want to count it. But, but that's without any online, no patches, no DLC. Yeah, yeah. It's just it came with everything I needed included. With like I said, team deathmatch, capture the flag, whoever can kill the most guys in an hour, like whatever it was that we played, that was more than enough to play and and not get bored. Oh yeah, and and that's what I got to give credit to to Free Radical here for Time Splitters. You know, going back to the. The fact that this game didn't have any updates that shipped complete, you know, it did feel complete. Like there's uh, when watching gameplay, I didn't really find much many glitches for the uh, no uh, for the at least for the GameCube version. It looked really smooth. Yeah, it works. There weren't delays. This game was delivered on time. Like it, it in just, 23 months. Yeah, right. It it just seems like a a perfect like a perfect storm. And I have a quote here actually from our favorite book, A Thousand One Video Games. Oh, fantastic. Um, that you okay. must play before you die. Mm-hmm. And it's a great quote that kind of sums up what I just said here. And it says, Balance between a rough sketch first game and a disappointing third installment, Time Splitters 2 exists as that rare moment when everything works. A first-person shooter with all the character, artillery, and general silliness that you could ever ask for. Moving through a range of brilliantly caricatured video game cliches without ever becoming lazy. A seriously well-balanced shooter that always manages to keep its tongue stuck endearingly in its cheek. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary of... uh, It's beautiful. of what this game is really beautiful yeah they i mean i like reading from this book sometimes and pulling quotes because they are very well written and they speak better than we can so oh absolutely they know english <laughs> way better than us i, I did also want to say that this has a very mass effect feel before mass effect oh interesting well i guess you know, yeah because it's a sci-fi shooter and it but it's still somewhat grounded in reality is yeah that what you mean? yeah yeah and with the aliens and everything and the kind of shooting the mechanics mm-hmm. and the, the story is a little wacky uh, as well mm-hmm. with not taking itself too seriously, but also not like crossing that line. It just was one of the first things I thought of when watching gameplay again. 
Interesting. Yeah, and it is like an alien race coming to destroy humanity, which is a very Mass Effect y, less mm -hmm. than like a Halo. It wasn't so fantastic. Yeah. Like Halo was more like a space opera fantasy thing, like Star Wars is or something like that, where it's not really grounded in reality at all. That's interesting. Yeah, no, that's a good comparison. I like that. Mm. Also, just going back to the development, I read that there was a 23-month development time, and half of that time was devoted to creating the opening level. So that must be a really good opening level. Well, the opening level and the opening cutscene is very mm. derived from uh, GoldenEye. Ooh. From It's like uh, definitely a clear homage to, to GoldenEye, which so, is kind of cool. So Pierce Brosnan is in it? That's right. <laughs> so before we move on to Time Splitters 3, I mean Future Perfect... Victor, hit us with that jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. The most acclaimed game of the year. Through a rift in space and time, pursue the hideous race known as the Time Splitters and eliminate their fiendish schemes to end mankind's future. Blast through ten huge environments in time, such as the Cold War Russian military base, the gangster-ridden 1920 Chicago, and the futuristic surface of Planet X. An action-paced epic story unfolds through multiple objective-based missions with superbly fantastic cutscenes. Rage all out war against insurmountable odds, utilizing the most lethal weapons at every era. Of every era, I'm sorry. Choose from over 100 playable characters. What? To fight with or against in furious multiplayer mayhem. Create your own single or multiplayer games with brilliantly simple map maker. This game is insane. <laughs> so yeah, uh, 125 characters, more than Smash, and they all have unique traits too. Like it's it's not just like clones for the most part. It's uh, there's a lot of unique traits for the, for some of these characters. Yeah, and also the um the AI bots that you can set up. They can you can set up 10 AI bots in this game, which is more than you and I love Nightfire. I think the max in that is eight, like six yeah. enemies and two on your team, or is it yeah. six? It's six. Oh. Six. Six is the is the six max is the for, total. for AI. So there's four more AI bots that you can set up in this game than Nightfire. So bravo. Oh yeah, it's it just unbelievable the amount of content that's in here. You know, and even the fact that we didn't mention this, but something that this this game does that Nightfire doesn't do even is that uh, you can play the story mode co-op. Oh sweet. Yeah, and that's uh, cool. And that was a very big thing that uh, that Time Splitters like the franchise was was keen on was multiplayer. You know, it was very they very much pushed that that idea of it because they they knew that people loved GoldenEye not for the story, not for the, the, the missions. They loved GoldenEye for sitting around a TV, playing four players split screen, and just, you know, going ham. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what people remember. That's our generation, and that's why I have played so much more couch co-op games than I have online games. But mm -hmm. I'm an old man, so... Moving on to Time Splitters 3. Technically, it's 3, but it's not Title 3. Future Perfect. This is the sequel to Time Splitters 2. Graphically, very well done. Uh, this mm -hmm. game is even better than Time Splitters 2 in terms of graphics, since unfortunately, this game did come at the very end of the sixth generation of consoles. So at this point, uh, developers knew how to harness the power of the consoles and make games look their best. And this game, I think, looks better than Time Splitters 2. And that's also because of EA uh, publishing it. You know, sure. a lot more money on this one. Yeah, definitely. Just looking right away at the character design, I forgot. I don't know if Time Splitters Two did this as much, but very politically incorrect towards women. <laughs> yeah, some uh, some large some large chested woman. Yeah, and the, one of the characters in the game straight up just has slut written on her chest, <laughs> like she's wearing a shirt that says. Oh slut. yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that we didn't mention too is I, I forget if two or three has it. They might both have it. But when you go into different eras, your character actually changes. 
so your your costume changes when you kind of get spat out somewhere. I believe that was Time Splitters 2. Okay, yeah. So it's Time Splitters 2, yeah, you, it, which is like, that's a lot of work for the devs to do that. Yeah. To make every one of these characters, like, well, not every one of these, but the, the characters that you're playing with mm -hmm. to change their costumes. In Civil War outfit or in the, in yeah. the 1920s Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And that was something that I thought was really neat and lent a bit of like credibility almost to that game. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's it's small details like that that really change the game. Because imagine if they were just in their normal costumes, it, it doesn't feel as right, you know? No, it's weird. Yeah, it's like kind of like in the like the new. I think of the new Spider-Man game where it's like when you're wearing Spider-Man on PS4, like when you're yeah. if you're in like the cartoon Spider-Man suit, and then you're in a cutscene with like actual people, and you're just like this <laughs> cell shaded Spider-Man doesn't fit. Yeah, it is jarring when your character doesn't fit the scene, and it's really that is kind of ahead of its time because I don't know of any yeah. game up until this point that did something like that. No, no, like they they it, it must have been a really cool place to work to be honest because they For they a probably. While. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in this in this era definitely was because they had so much free reign right like clearly uh, you can tell that they, they the devs kind of just did what they wanted mm -hmm. yeah i love i love it when when employees are given the reins usually that's when companies have the best output <laughs> yep that is right yeah. uh, i don't know as much about time splitters future perfect as i did time splitters 2 future perfect didn't have as much press like you said i don't think as many people played it because it was at the end of the generation i think most attention was being given towards ps3 and xbox 360 and the yeah Wii it's at the time. it's kind of known more for its online multiplayer than it's uh than anything else which was still not a thing on gamecube yeah which was still not a thing on gamecube <laughs> yeah. um yeah because i know that uh, whenever i, I see screen uh, screenshots or when i see gameplay it's often people playing online Mm -hmm. uh on time splitters 3 which i think the online was much better in 3 than it was in 2 which would make sense you know uh releasing three years later i think i think pound for pound like objectively time splitters future perfect is a better game like you said with multiplayer being online more modes and things like that the campaign i've also heard was more fleshed out than the first one like there's a proper antagonist in future perfect which the first one wasn't like the the antagonist or the antagonist was just yeah. the alien race of time splitters. There wasn't like a main guy, which they added in the in the third game. So yeah, it's it's tough because yeah, I think it's a very particular thing and a very opinionated thing uh, in terms of people, uh, fans of the franchise. Because I think yeah, I think you're right from an objective point of view. Looking away, Time Splitters Three is probably the better game, but I think the more fun game is definitely Time Splitters Two. Yeah. I think so too. I don't have as much to say about Time Splitters Future Perfect. Did you have anything in your book that you wanted to read though? I did. I have a great quote uh, from 1001 Video Games, You Must Play Before You Die. They uh, they had a, an interesting take on it. They they talked about how, you know, they didn't love the plot, uh, the graphics, you know, they, did, they, they liked the graphic upgrades. And, um, but uh, this is a quote that they have here. More of a refinement than an enormously original addition to the series. Future Perfect is a slightly more polished affair than the previous two games. There are a few games that offer as much variety from level to level. One minute you're preventing a nuclear launch on a speed train, and the next you're pumping ordnance into enormous zombie deer uh, in a transparent uh, homage to Resident Evil. With all the flair, uh, it's still best enjoyed in the classic four-way split screen alongside friends within elbowing distance. Not right now, though. Not during COVID. <laughs> I'd say that's a great review of it. That basically, like, it's it doesn't feel like a new game. It feels like Time Splitters 2 kind of just enhanced and everything just made a little 
polished up, basically. It's just like EA kind of coming in, right? And being like, oh, I'll just polish this up. That's what I was going to say is maybe that's why they didn't call it just Time Splitters 3 was because EA wanted to maybe try and reset the series or maybe just make it their own yeah, to start That's off. what I'm thinking as well. Yeah. yeah, Because it is very strange, especially at this point, to not call something 3. Yeah, that's the only reason why I could think that they didn't call it Time Splitters 3 was because EA took it over and we all know what happens when after EA, <laughs> EA takes over games. Mike, what the heck happened to Time Splitters 4? We haven't seen one. We haven't seen one, and I did some reading, I did some research, and I did some thinking myself, and I, there, there's there's a few reasons why this game hasn't come out, or how, why this franchise has kind of faded away. It is really odd to me, though, that this game hasn't been revived in the 15 years since. You know, it doesn't really make sense when you first think about it. The game itself has all the aspects that you need today to make a successful FPS. You know, the only thing that I can really see that has hindered it, it's that it has a very weak brand. You know, there's there's nothing in here that really ties an outsider into this game. And like when you even like looking at the cover and, and watching gameplay, the art style can be a bit off-putting. And it's also very 2000s, very edgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, we and, said we said like how the character looks like Vin Diesel. From yeah, and, yeah, and the, <laughs> the guns all this time. Yeah, like the music is all very just sci-fi. Like, yeah, that, yeah, and the, those be, those games just died out in the two thousands. Like, and EA was publishing it, so they obviously have you know they've tried other things. They make Battlefield every year. They also now they publish. Obviously, EA owns the Star Wars Battlefront franchise. Uh, they also have Titanfall and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, and there's Call of Duty still coming out every well, year. So, so just... that's what I was going to say is that the other reason I would have here was that this game is, is in such a saturated market then and now. You know, you have mm-hmm. to compete in a world where most AAA games are shooters, like you said, and they all have very strong brands, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the big issue here. And I think that you know, time and time again, will be t- time to lose downfall. But yep. but in my opinion. You know, a good, all you need is a good marketing team. You, you need, a, a, like, honestly, you or need a, a good, small one, apparently, or a small one uh, to come in, freshen up the designs, freshen up the brand, kind of bring it up to speed. Like it's uh, hire me. I'll do it. <laughs> 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 like it, it's, it seems, it seems so strange and sad that this game hasn't had a proper revival. And uh, uh, there's actually a good quote here too. Uh, talking about Time Splitter series developer uh, Steve Ellis, who Tech Raiders spoke to in July 2013, when he was asked if Time Splitters 4 would ever see the light of day on the 8th generation consoles, uh, he replied that he doesn't think there's any chance that's going to happen. You always got to the point where the marketing person in the room would say, I don't know how to sell this because they want a character that they can put in front of the box or on the front of the box. Mm-hmm. Every marketing person and every publisher we spoke to said, you can't have that as your selling point. And maybe the sales figures of the previous games back that up. I don't so much agree with having a character on the front of your box. I think the name carries the game. Like no one, like what, who's the character from Call of Duty? Like it's, it's the name. And you can sell the name Time Splitters to people like us who are in their late 20s, early 30s, who played couch co-op games in the 2000s. So I think that's the best you can, you're going to get from Time Splitters. Is, is I think that they'll probably eventually put out a remastered collection of the three games, and that'll be it. I don't think you're going to see Time Splitters four. I think we'll see Time Splitters one, two, and three remastered for 19.99 one day on the PlayStation Store, and then that'll be it. <laughs> I, I I I agree, and I'm sad, but I I do agree um, that that's probably going to happen. They they have tried numerous times, so countless times actually. Uh, in 2008, Free Radical, when they were losing a bunch of money due to um, 
Hayes, uh, whatever that game was that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, Hayes and Homefront, uh, those two yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, they, um, they tried to do an HD remake in 2008, but that never really got off the ground. And uh, in 2019, in July of 2019, uh, THQ Nordic acquired the franchise rights from, from Free Radical. Uh, well, so... that's a good sign. That means it'll probably come out because THQ actually does things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So so I think you are right that that's going to happen, but it's, mm-hmm. um, it's too bad that this this won't be given a full remake or full new game, but there is a fan remake that's in the works and that will probably be done very soon. I don't know if you've heard about this, Neil. No. So there's Time Splitters Rewind and the last update that we got for it was just a couple weeks ago and it looks like it's getting pretty close to being done. Sweet. Is that so, supposed to be a remake of two or all the games? All the, it's kind of like a, it's like a, it's like a thug pro kind of thing. Love it. Think okay, of it cool. like that. So that'll be a PC thing. Yes. So yeah. it, it looks it looks pretty promising, and, and I would be excited to check it out once uh, once that gets official and once that a beta comes out for it. But at least there's some you know uh, movement on this uh, on this franchise. But uh, yeah, I hope that there's like an actual published, marketed game that you can buy on the PlayStation Store, and I think that's what we'll get. Kind of like the Tony Hawk One and Two remake that we just got. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Last thing I want to say before we go on to Geist is let's talk about some of our favorite characters of the game. So uh, I looked at some of uh, some some fan posts out there and, uh, you know, I did a bit of research and, and reading. I, I'm going to so Neil has never played Time Splitters before. Nope. Uh, and so I'm going to say some of these characters and Neil's going to look them up and he's going to give me his reaction to yeah. uh, t- to them. Uh, OK, so number one, we got Stumpy the Clown. Here we go. Holy hell. Okay. I'm um, yes. getting a few here. I'm guessing it's the one with the devil horns. Whoa. Yep. Is he like, is he odd job of the time splitters world? Uh, uh, no, the monkey is the odd job of the time splitters world. Got it. Well, this is nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, while you're there, let's look up the monkey. Uh, you can literally, I think if you just look up monkey time splitters. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> time splitters, the monkey. Okay. So he's a basic monkey with AK 47s. Yeah. Yeah, he is he is definitely the uh, the odd job or knickknack uh, you could say also uh, he was too short so you couldn't hit him properly yeah that's odd job okay yeah, yeah. He, his mouth is a perfect circle he looks like a sex doll <laughs> yeah yeah he, he some of these character designs are were not great to say the least they're British uh, video game developers Mike come on <laughs> uh, and next we have the gingerbread man gingerbread uh, who lives on uh, <laughs> on Fury Lane. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> this guy was created in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a good one, too. So he's Gumby. He's like Gumby. Yeah, he's like Gumby, but like I, I he's in my nightmares forever. So. He's like Slender Man or something. <laughs> yeah. All these characters are terrifying. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we have uh, Leo Krups, uh, the Lion Man. Let's look up the Lion Man and see what I get. Dude, what's going on with Five Night at Freddy's kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, very Five Night at Freddy's. Hang on, they did like a lot of work on his eyes. Like his eyes look good, almost like a Shadow of the Colossus level thing. But there's also eyes inside of him, so he's a mascot. Inside of his mouth, I can see eyes, at least in the character design. Yeah, maybe he is a mascot. So he's a human. He is a human in a... Yeah, you're right. He is actually that does make sense. You can see (laughs) eyes inside of him. So yeah, or he's eaten somebody and they're just not quite down. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. So, so there you have it. Those are some of our okay. our favorite um, characters from Time Splitters Two. They're my favorite characters for sure. Um, <laughs> that's five of the one hundred and twenty-five. Uh, mm-hmm. Cool. 
So Mike, before we move on to Geist, I just want to read the back of the case for Time Splitters Future Perfect. Blast your way through time. Fight across multiple time periods in story, arcade, co-op, and multiplayer modes. Arm yourself with a massive arsenal of weapons from the past, present, and future. Hundreds of unlockable characters, weapons, and maps. Innovative time travel gameplay lets you team up with your past or future self and your own ally. Cortez is back, and this time he's bringing some friends to help him fight the past in order to change the future. Cool. Now let's move on to another game that's slightly scary. Spooky game, Geist, which was released on August 15th, 2005, developed by Enspace Inc., published by Nintendo. Platform, it's only on the GameCube. Priced today at around 45 bucks. This game, if you loved it back in the day, I'm sorry. It's an average game. It reviews in the sevens. I, I would like to correct you there, Neil. Uh, it's co-developed by uh, Enspace and Nintendo. Oh, okay. Sorry. Nintendo did help develop it. My bad. So okay. it's actually a second-party game. Fair enough. What's mm-hmm. interesting is that this is one of the few M-rated games by published by Nintendo on the GameCube. One of the very few uh, games that is only for Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, that's M-rated. Yeah, kind of like Internal Darkness. I was gonna say we we the that's that's the last one that we talked about was uh, Eternal Darkness. We will be talking about another one mm-hmm. in a couple weeks with uh, Resident Evil Zero, which is an exclusive for GameCube. Fun, uh, yeah. But this game is very much like a sci-fi FPS, although it's more of like an exploratory game. It's kind of a fifty-fifty percent split between FPS and exploration, kind of like Metroid rather than a Halo. If you had to, mm-hmm. if you had to think about it like that. Uh, in this game, you, you're you basically like, you're a space marine kind of guy. Uh, you possess things, which is interesting because Nintendo does not want to be associated with possession and things like that. Um, that was a big issue with Mario Odyssey. If, if fans remember when Mario Odyssey came out, everyone was calling it the possession mechanic when you threw Cappy on things. And Nintendo had to, had to backpedal and call it uh, capturing because they didn't want to be uh, associated with possession and things like that. Interesting that they did this back in the day. But oh, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was a huge thing with Mario Odyssey. In this game, just straight up, you do possess people, animals, and objects for combat. <laughs> you can also play as a moth, Mike. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's what I know about it. Yeah, Mothra. Mothra, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope Mothra actually gets to be in this game. You know, because he, he, he got he got to snubbed uh, in uh, Godzilla Destroyal Monsters. He got snubbed. You, you play as a moth, but it's not a big moth. <laughs> I think it's a regular size moth. <laughs> I own this game. Uh, I bought it a, about a year ago, I think it was. And it's it's slow. Like, it's just, it's it's not as responsive. Like, you think it's going to be like a Halo or Metroid where it's very fluid and sci-fi-y, but it's just, it's tanky. And it's not mm-hmm. the way I like my first-person shooters to feel. So I couldn't even get through it the entire game. Really? Yeah. I don't well, know. You I... do play as John Raimi in Geist, mm-hmm. the uh, brother to Sam Raimi, hopefully. I, I would have to assume so. Sam Raimi, of course, <laughs> who made the, uh, what did he make? He made Crawl uh, and Spider-Man. <laughs> I guess yeah, we I was going to say, maybe you, should, maybe you should just lead with Spider-Man. <laughs> no, no, he made, uh, he made what, Night of the, no, not Night of the Dead. He made uh, uh, Evil Dead. That's Sam Raimi? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's okay. That, same. Yeah. that movie yeah. scared the hell yeah. out of me as a kid. Yeah, it's a good movie. But yeah, you play as John Ramey in the game, who is not related to Sam Ramey. He's a scientist. Um, I don't want to. I don't really want to read the whole plot. But anyway, I'll, 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 he's assigned to a counter-terrorist team, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you're sent to extract an undercover agent from a mysterious facility owned by the Volks Corporation, and because it's very German-esque, this whole game, because Geist is German for ghost. Got it. Okay, and Volks like Volkswagen, mm-hmm. Das Auto, people. We're not sponsored by Volkswagen. Not yet. Nope. Uh, but yeah, they're 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 secretly developing like this chemical biological thing. Uh, you have to secure a sample, and uh, you know these things never work out. So no. 
things take a turn for the worst. We've all seen Venom. (laughs) (laughs) Most of your team is killed, and um, you end up the victim of a procedure. This, again, sounds like Venom. uh, That removes your spirit from your physical body. Uh, You'll then haunt the gloomy halls of the facility as you attempt to recover your human form and uncover the secrets of the Vox Corporation. Mm -hmm. So that's when the game uh, breaks up into two segments, because the game starts off as a first-person shooter. But once you become this Geist character where you can possess things, people, and animals, that's when it splits into a two-part game where you're also using that possession mechanic to explore the environment and solve puzzles and things like that which I think is what people remember most about the game. It's not yeah. shooting, which is probably what I should have done is just got through it a bit more and, and done more of the exploration segments. Um, but that, that's definitely what the game is more known for is just being able to control things in the level. You couldn't possess everything in the level, which would have been awesome. Like as a Geist 2, maybe in this generation, where you could possess everything in the room. This one, you can only possess certain objects in the room that are necessary to solve puzzles at yeah similar to mario odyssey you can't technically possess everything but it's pretty close yeah i I think this game could have been a lot better in a lot of different ways and it's kind of sad to see because it did have a lot of potential it's a really cool concept it was it was the first outing like it was it's kind of like eternal darkness where this game as well like great concept but it just needs to be improved and maybe with a second game it would have been because it's technically a nintendo ip technically Mm -hmm. you know like uh, it's another casualty of the gamecube era right there's a bunch of these games that we've talked about now that that are like geist that didn't really get the time that they deserved And, and the problem with geist 2 is that it got delayed and delayed and delayed over and over again mm-hmm. and that just you know that just kills a new franchise right it's you can't you can't hype it up like that and then not have it out until about two and a half three years later yeah a new franchise a new space shooter and it came out you know end ish of the gamecube generation you know mid 2005 that's when we're getting into games that the games aren't coming out anymore the big games until twilight princess i don't think much else was out we had metroid at this point i think even metroid prime 2 was around this time so and Halo was on top of the world in 2005. So to have another space shooter try and uh, come into the market, it's it's not going to happen. So yeah, it, it, yeah, it was released just far too late to have any sort of impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and it, it it does really look like it never got polished. You know, it's it is quite janky, as I'm sure you you found with the sluggish mm-hmm. controls, like the slowness. Uh, and and the, honestly, that's the I don't chalk that up to bad development. Chalk that up to poor management. You yeah. know, it, the fact that you were, it was supposed to come out in early 2003 yep. and, and uh, you know, it didn't come out uh, until late 2005. That's that's just, you know, that's just bad management in that sense. Right. Too many, too many hands in the pot. Yeah. I don't know what the I, I know next to nothing about game dev. But at this point, I would have said, like, look, let's make this a Wii launch title or something because it would have been a cool Wii game. Yeah, it would have. There's a lot of things that you could have done with the motion controls mm-hmm. uh, for it, you know, for the capture mechanic. Yep. So it, it, it seems, you know, it's it, it's tough that that it ended up being released at this time and kind of thrown into the, the waste bin of, uh, of Nintendo history. So, yeah, uh, we did talk about how it was developed. It was a co-development between Nintendo and N-Space Inc. I just want to talk about N-Space Inc. for a second. Okay. Uh, they were a real company. That became not a real company. I'll explain why. <laughs> uh, so, so they put out some real games uh, beforehand. Uh, they worked with THQ a lot, GT Interactive. They put out games for the PlayStation. Duke Nukem was one of the big games Oof. that they worked on. And after Geist, it, it seems like there's a quick decline in terms of what they put out. Basically, every single game that they put out after Geist was a Nintendo DS port. Oh, that's not good. 
or yeah, or sometimes an iOS port, or just like a, a random game here and there. I I'd like to say that they probably got kicked out of the console market after Geist because it didn't perform well commercially or critically really at the time. They did ports for the DS for about the next ten years and went under. But I would like to take some time and list off some of my favorite ports on here, if okay. if I if I may, Neil. You may. Go for it. I also would like, before you do, I'd like to point out that they developed three Mary-Kate and Ashley games, one of which we spoke about on the last episode, which was the <laughs> Mary-Kate and Ashley Magical Mystery Mall. Mm-hmm, which I'm really excited to talk about once we uh, <laughs> we come back to this when Jess comes back on and uh, and she can talk about it. So what, what, were, what were some of the ports then that you'd like to highlight? Okay, so oh yeah, so the, so I got uh, I got a couple here. Uh, number one, we have GoldenEye Rogue Agent. Uh, if you know anything about Rogue Agent, that was the GoldenEye remake that EA made for the GameCube to kind of combat the Time Splitters um, franchise. Uh, uh, because I guess they hadn't published Time Splitters at this point. Anyways, it, it's a terrible game, and they made not the GameCube one, but the DS version, which is even worse. First-person um, shooters on the DS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have Hannah Montana in the movie uh, okay. for for DS as, as we'd like to have it. Fantastic. We have uh, Jillian <laughs> Jillian Michaels Fitness Adventure. That's a must own <laughs> for, for the Connect. <laughs> we have Jaws Jeez. Ultimate Predator for the, on the 3DS. 3DS. What? <laughs> What? Doesn't, doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do we. Uh, and uh, my my uh, the last one is uh, Hugh Pixel Painter, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, really funny, actually. If you click Hugh Pixel Painter on this Wikipedia page, Neil, it mm-hmm. links you to Tony Hawk's Motion. <laughs> 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 what happened? So, yeah, they did not publish or develop Tony Hawk's motion for the Nintendo DS, but I think they oh, like to think that they did. Maybe. They're taking they're <laughs> taking credit for Tony Hawk's motion, but it does have Hugh on the cover. So, yeah, I maybe it, it does. was a, maybe it was a double pack? But but uh, oh, maybe. Like like oh it was a Tony God. Hawk game with this Hugh game it attached was, to it. It like was. A, like a tumor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the tumor that it is oh jeez i feel so bad for tony hawk in that era i mean i don't feel bad for tony hawk i freaking love tony hawk but like these games were just like oh man so yeah they're, they're, those are some of my favorite ones i just wanted to let everyone know okay well that's all i have to say about geist shall i read the back of the case i think it's time to read the back of the case for geist okay take possession when a mission goes horribly wrong, you are captured and subjected to a ghostly experiment that rips your spirit from your physical body. Now you are trapped, forced to roam the halls of the shadowy Volks Corporation as a special, as a spectral phantom. As you explore, employ your hair-raising power of possession to control humans, animals, solve puzzles, and strike at your enemies. Only by unearthing the dark secrets of the Volks Corporation will you find a way to recover your human form. This would have been a cooler movie. Would have been a cooler movie, and I just was thinking of something right now while you were saying that this game didn't need to be M. Uh, I think that might have turned a lot of people off uh, because, like, an M-rated game for the GameCube and like for a Nintendo console is like a bit of a turnoff for sure. I would have made it a little bit grittier if they were going to go M with it, like make make it a little bit less like Alien versus Predator e. Like it just feels like a tween game. Like it's not quite Agreed. a teenage. Like it's yeah, it's like okay, this is what my younger brother who's thirteen plays. Like it's not quite, you know, they're not quite adult yet. Yeah, like but. like it, it it didn't. It Geist never seems to 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 go, you know, like to walk any sort of line. They're kind of just going for everything at once. 
mm-hmm. which obviously backfires because you can't fully embrace it. Uh, you know, I don't want to throw too much shade at Geist because it is a good game still. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's got some really cool mechanics uh, that I, I think are things that should come back in more ways other than Mario Odyssey. <laughs> like, I think that you could come like, make it again in like a with a mature with like a mature lens, I guess. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess what, where do you see Geist landing in the future, Neil? Like, do you see this game ever being brought up again? No, I think Geist is done. I don't even think we're going to get a remaster or a port on Switch. I Maybe. I mean, they, they do put some weird games up on Switch. Like this year, I was not expecting Pod Racing to come out, but here we are. So <laughs> I, I think maybe you'll get a port, not even a remaster, just a straight. They'll cut it down to, uh, what was it, 980 or whatever the, the whatever the dimensions are. So, uh, so something I, yeah. I was thinking of maybe that could happen is for a couple of these games is there could be a bit of a, because there is that relationship with Xbox now with Microsoft that Nintendo has been building uh, in the past few years. And obviously Steve from Minecraft is the, uh, the brain, you know, the, the brainchild of all of that. Of course. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> being in, uh, being in smash, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty crazy to think about, you know, uh, even if you, if someone told me that in 2016, like, I'd be like, what? That's no, there's no way that'll happen. But here but we are. But Neil in 2018 knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, you know, one thing I, I, I think is Nintendo does, hasn't seemed to really reciprocate in this relationship too much. I'm not sure what they've been giving Xbox, if it's just been money or promotion or something. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like this is this could be something that Nintendo and Xbox, you know, kind of will work on together. Is maybe making a pipeline of some of these games that that came out, like an Eternal Darkness or Geist, or these games that were that were on the the GameCube or on other Nintendo consoles that have kind of just went into the waste bin of video game history. You know, maybe Xbox and Microsoft could do something better with it uh, for some of these franchises. Like that's something that I wish will happen. I, who knows how feasible or if that will ever happen? But yeah, I think you're onto something there with M-rated games going over, like just the M-rated games yeah. of this generation heading over to Xbox. I think that that they they actually look like Xbox games these days. Exactly. That's kind of where that's what I'm thinking, right? And like even yeah. maybe having these games on PC through Xbox, you know, or like, the Game Pass, like throw these on yeah. Game Pass. Like, hey, yeah. if they're, for this month, you know, we're throwing on the GameCube classics. Time splitters two and three and Geist like and then maybe uh, Eternal Darkness one month yeah, yeah. Uh, like that, that's that seems like something that could happen it it doesn't it doesn't um you know adhere like it doesn't go against Nintendo's brand in any way you know you're not mm-hmm. you're not licensing Mario to Xbox or anything like that but you're licensing mm-hmm. some of these games that really can't be played anywhere else and 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 you're you're giving them to Microsoft who clearly has a good relationship with Nintendo right now and could use the bump in terms of the kind of games that they can uh, have to play. So, yeah, it's just a thought, but it's something that I kind of have been thinking about. Yeah, I think that that's a great idea. Like, just throw those M-rated games over to Xbox. But, Mike, which games of these three that we've spoken about today, if you had to suggest a game to any of the fans out there, which game do you think you would have to settle on? Oh, man. Well, I think uh, Time Splitters 2 is definitely the best game of these three. I think yeah, it just, it, it's just, it's, it's such a good game in terms of, of how it was made, how it was developed. And it's, it's really cohesive, right? And there's just so much stuff you can do. And today, you can still do. Like, you can still have your couch co-op. You can still do your um, your level editors. You know, that that alone, I think, would be a lot of fun. And, and the amount of characters that you can have uh, in that game, too. Just like And, like, the quote that the 1001 Video Games um, book had, you know, when they start off with balance between a rough sketch of a first game and a disappointing third installment. You know, Time Splitters exists as that rare moment when everything works. Like, I think that's, like, that is 
the essence of time splitters. It exists in this perfect moment in 2002 where everything worked for radical uh, design. Yeah, it's really a sight to behold, and I think this game does not get enough credit. Uh, so I'm, I would definitely recommend if you can find this game, and and I I see it usually when when I, when we go to retro video game stores. Uh, if you can find this game for a decent price, I would buy it. Yeah, I'd, I agree with Time Splitters too. Like everything you said, just the customization, the amount of things you can do with it. I'd love to play Time Splitters too with you. Like knowing mm-hmm. that you can play couch co-op campaign, that would be something that I'd love to do because that's something you can't do in James Bond games, which I always thought would be fun to do. So it yeah. sounds like that that's something on my list now. Uh, when when we go to the video game store next, I'll, I'll be on I'll be on the lookout for Time Splitters too for sure. Yeah, me too. Me too. Not Sp- Time Splitters three because that's like one hundred and thirty dollars. So, yeah, I- I'm cheap. So I'll just I'll start with <laughs> maybe la- maybe later if I really like Time Splitters two. Uh, and I already own Geist. So yeah, as a collector, it's a good thing to own for a GameCube collector. But in terms of playing it, it's not as fun as Time Splitters two looks. Yep, agreed. So Mike, with that, why don't you let uh, the listeners know what they can expect on episode twenty two of the GameCube is Cool podcast? All right, episode 22. So for this episode, we can drink now in the States, and now we're past that. So I don't know what happens after 21. That's that's like the that's like the last milestone. Maybe maybe once we get to episode 25, when we can have our insurance go down. Yeah, and what's the age to rent a car? Is that 25? 25, that's also 25. Okay, that's yeah. something. That's another milestone. Yeah, that's another milestone. So we'll wait till 25. <laughs> sure. But, uh, but uh, turning 22 here on the GameCube is Cool podcast, we have episode 22, Crystal Chronicles. Uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and... And we, we're lumping in a couple other RPGs here that no one knows. And so we just want to get them out of the way. <laughs> yep, it's but, not a lie. <laughs> uh, uh, but don't worry, we will be spending most of our time on this classic uh, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles. And we're going to talk about a lot about Final Fantasy and Square's relationship with, with Nintendo. Uh, I know Neil is very excited to talk about that aspect of these uh, of these games because it is really interesting. And mm-hmm. especially with Final Fantasy VII and that whole... Uh, stuff that went on with the 64 and then obviously kind of capping it off with clouds uh, um, cloud being in smash you know which Mm -hmm. was crazy to to everyone Uh, i think final fantasy does have a rich history on nintendo consoles so it's worth exploring and we're gonna have a couple of great guests on uh, the episode too we're gonna have jake and we're gonna have zaffir on who are gonna talk about their favorite memories of the game and um yeah just we're gonna have some, have some fun. Have some fun yeah. talking about some Japanese stuff. Oh boy, Japanese things. Can't wait. <laughs> well, until then, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading and sharing us with your friends. We really appreciate all the support and uh, we hope you stay safe and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. Product of what happens when you think inside the box. Did you know Geist is not a very good game?